Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we've come to hear from you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you speak to us individually, that you speak to us corporately. We pray that the word that you have for us, that we would not miss it in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you help us, that our hearts would be opened, that our minds would be focused on you. We come against everything that would want to distract us and keep us from receiving your word, which brings life. And we decree that today we hear your word. We decree that it mixes with faith in us. We decree that it profits us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Children, I want the children to listen. Children, are we listening? Can anyone, not senior class, junior or middle class, tell me what it is today? What is today? Shout at me if you know. Easter Sunday, fantastic. Easter Sunday. Can anyone else tell me what is Easter Sunday about? Any of the children? Fantastic. So I got answers on both sides. They said it's about when Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected. And that's absolutely true. And we're going to be talking about that. So children, I want you to listen. And I'm going to ask your parents to ask all the children after church one thing that they learned. Okay? So listen, mommy and daddy are going to ask you after church. So I want the children to listen as well. So we thank God. It's Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. And we thank God for all the songs, the worship, the prayer, everything that God has been saying to us, the drama in today's service. And we're going to carry on along that line. You know, on, on Wednesday in Bible study, some of the things that we studied were the exchanges at Calvary. And we're going to carry on from there. And I was reflecting on the study. I was reflecting on the word that's been coming to us the past so many weeks, things about faith in action, the story of that wonderful woman and her jar. And I was reflecting on how God's word really is not scarce in our midst. But the thing that came to me next was a prayer as well, that God would help us, that we wouldn't just be week in, week out hearers of the word, doing nothing with it, that God would help us to be doers of the word. To whom much is given, much is expected. And we would all give account of what we did with the word that we hear. I pray for you, I pray for myself, that we would be doers of the word in Jesus' mighty name. So God has shown us such wonderful mercy. In the last um, week, this Holy Week, one of the things that I did to reflect on what Jesus did for us is I reread the book of John. And as you read through the book of John, you see different things. When it starts to come towards the death of Jesus, you see Jesus starting to have these conversations with his disciples, preparing them for what's coming ahead, preparing them for his death. You see him loving them, washing their feet, showing them how to love each other. You see him telling them things which make them sober, sad. They don't quite get it. So it's a, it's a very sober time for them as they walk with Jesus. We see Jesus as we carry on in that book of John. We see him in agony in Gethsemane where he says to the father that if this cross could pass over him, we see Judas betray him. We see him arrested. We see Peter deny him, not once, not twice, three times. And then we come to John chapter 19, and that's our focus for today. John chapter 19, we see him at the cross. So John 19, and I'm starting from 16b, and I'll just read some verses. But if you can write, if you're writing, and I encourage you to write, if you can write from verses 16 to 30, 
I'm not going to read all those verses, but I encourage you to read them later on in your time. John 19, 16 to 30. So I read from 16, the B part. It says, so they took Jesus away. And I'm using the NLT today. So they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went to the place called the place of the skull in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus between them. And then verse 25 says, verse 25 of chapter 19, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, there woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. So this is a really, really sad day. It's full of pain. It's full of agony. It's full of sorrow. And we see this verse 25 tells us some of the people that were by the cross. And we're going to talk about that. But before I go into that, because I'm probably going to forget if I don't announce this, the youth, all the young people, um, you're to wait after service for a meeting. So the young people, we know ourselves, right? <laughs> so all the young people, um, please wait for a meeting after the service. Um, as well, I'm told that we have some first timers who we didn't welcome. So if today's your first time in our midst, we want to um, recognize you and welcome you. If you could just raise your hand. If there's anyone worshiping of us for the first time, fantastic. God bless you. God bless you real good. We would pray with you at the end of the service, but God bless you. And our prayer for you is that as you've come into God's house on this Resurrection Sunday, that God would do unprecedented, amazing things in your life in Jesus' mighty name. So we're at the cross now, John 19, and we see some of the people who are there. We see that Jesus' mother, Mary, is there. His auntie, his maternal auntie is there. Mary Magdalene is there. These are women that love Jesus deeply, deeply. And the disciple who he loved is there as well. Anybody know who the disciple who he loved is? John, fantastic. And I'm, I'm thinking about this, and it's hard to imagine the agony that Mary must have been going through as she watched her son go through this agonizing, shameful, painful, horrifying death. And she's right there. The Bible says that they were near the cross. And for Mary personally, it was a day of fulfillment of prophecy. For Mary, it was a day of fulfillment of personal prophecy for her. Because if we look at Luke chapter 2, verses 34 to 35, Luke chapter 2, verses 34 to 35, when Jesus was a child and they took Jesus to the temple, and Simeon, that old man, met them. The Bible says he blessed them and he prophesied some things. And one of the things that he prophesied, we see in verses 34 and 35 of Luke 2. And I'm just going to read verse 35. So he says, as a result, talking about Jesus, the deepest thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. And he's talking to Mary now. And he says, a sword would pierce your very soul. And I wonder, as a woman, the Bible tells us, shows us clearly, that Mary was a woman, a thinking woman. Maybe it was a mother who would sit and ponder about things. And I wonder how many times she pondered what did it mean when he said a sword would pierce her very soul. 
But as she stands by the cross and she looks up at Jesus and he's dying, her son, that prophecy comes to pass. We say it, we pray it, that a parent shouldn't bury their child. A parent shouldn't watch their child die. And I prayed for us that God would continue to keep all of our children. God will continue to keep us. But she's here. And the worst thing that could happen is happening. A sword is pressing her soul. And I think about the little incidences that happen with us. You know, maybe your child is sick or um, your child is wounded and your child is in such pain. And in that moment, as a parent, as a mom, as a dad, if you could take on their pain, you would, right? Um, one of the, the, an incident that I was told about, a child's playing basketball and kind of falls, maybe lands on his head or something, and they're playing a match. So the parents are just, you know, in the audience watching. And immediately this happens to this child. The mother comes screaming from, you know, the participant stand. And she's just screaming, Jesus, and she runs onto the pitch. When I heard that story, my first question was, was she a black mom? <laughs> and she was. But, but that is it. You feel the pain. I can imagine that when her son's head hit the ground, she felt it inside her. And this is Mary, a sword is pressing her, her very soul. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus, with everything that he was going through, what Jesus was going through was agonizing. It was so difficult what he was going through that in Gethsemane, he had said, if this cup could pass, but then he said, not my will, but your will. And yet in all of that pain, what happens? The Bible says he sees his mother. With everything that's going on, carrying the sins of the earth, the Bible says he sees his mother. He sees his mother. And then he says to her in verse 26, there woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And the Bible says, from then on, this disciple took her into his home. John, the disciple who he loved. Let's talk about John a bit as well. So we've looked at the women who are standing there, including Mary, his mom. But John is there as well. You know, when you look through the book of John, whenever John referred to himself, anybody, what would he, how would he describe himself? The disciple who Jesus loved, like Jesus didn't love the rest of them, you know, but John was, you know, this guy, he was confident in the love that Jesus had for him. And so he wouldn't say, I'm John, he would say, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. He was confident. And it makes me think about um, Psalms 139, you know, when it says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And then it says, this my soul knows very well. John didn't need anybody to assure him or tell him that Jesus loved him. He knew that Jesus loved him. A couple of years ago, we're studying John as a family. And I remember then Tony asked the question. He said, did anybody else in scripture describe John <laughs> as the disciple that Jesus loved? But John knew he didn't need anyone else to affirm it. He knew. Can someone say today, I'm the disciple who Jesus loves? Say it from the depths of your heart, knowing that it is so true. So John is there as well. And John is looking up at Jesus who loves him so much. And John, I can imagine that his heart is broken. He's going through sorrow as well, because there's nothing he can do. You know, when somebody that you love is going through something, you want to help, you want to do something, but there's nothing that he can do. And he's standing there. And in the midst of all of this sorrow, the sword person of the soul and all that, Jesus said that extraordinary thing. Jesus says to her, this is your son, and says to John, this is your mother. Have you ever thought about it? That why did Jesus do that? 
Jesus had brothers and sisters. He wasn't an only child. Mary had other children. The natural thing would be for one of her children to take her in and look after her. But Jesus doesn't entrust her to his brothers or his sisters. He entrusts her to John. He entrusts her to John. And, and I'm reflecting on this. It's something that I've pondered on before. And I'm thinking that for John in that moment, even though there was such sorrow, such sadness, on a deathbed, people don't waste their words. When somebody is dying, the things that they say, the things that they focus on, when they know that they're dying, they're about to hit the other side of eternity. It's normally very serious moments, very solemn moments. And Jesus took the time out in all of this to say, this is now your mother. And I feel that for John, in, even with all that sorrow and all that, being able to do something for Jesus that he loved so much, there would have been a lift in him. So John all along has been saying, I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. But in this moment, he's not only able to be the one that is loved, he's able to show his love as well. And the Bible says that that thing that was entrusted to him, Jesus' mother, something incredibly important, from that moment on, from that day, he took her home and she stayed with him. And I think that it's a reflection on the relationship between John and Jesus. Jesus trusted him that much. It showed that there was mutual love. And I'm thinking that for everybody else, those who scattered, I don't blame them. I'm not game blaming anybody because disciples scattered and all that. Some were not there at that time anymore. But for those who scattered, those who didn't, those who were there, I feel like you, you, you looked at that relationship and there was something very precious there, something very precious there. And I think that in that moment, it's like, how great it would be to be John, for Jesus to trust you so much that he would entrust something so precious to him into your hands. But the interesting thing is that he did, he did. And now let's talk about after Easter. So after Easter, after the first Easter, what did Jesus entrust into your hands and into my hands? The same way that with his dying breath, he took the time out to entrust his mother to John. And the question for you is, how are you doing with what he has entrusted into your hands? The question is, what, how am I doing with what he's entrusted into my hands? And you might be wondering, what has he entrusted into our hands? Anybody, what has Jesus entrusted into our hands? That after Easter, this is what you're supposed to run with. This is your assignment. This is your calling. I'm entrusting this important thing into your hands. Anyone? To preach the gospel, fantastic. Let's say it like it's an exciting entrustment. <laughs> Do you know what? Say it and it would be, even if you're not feeling it, okay? So let's try again. To preach the gospel. He's entrusted us with that. The same way, in a similar way to how he entrusted his mother, something so precious to John with his dying breaths. After Easter, he said, we should go and we should preach the gospel. We should preach the gospel. We see that all over scripture. We see it all over scripture. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 29. Matthew 28, 18 to 29. We see the great commission being given to us. And we think about it. You go down a few more verses in that John 19. And Jesus, he now dies. He gives up. He's the ghost. And he says, it is finished. It is finished. And that takes us back to John that we were looking at earlier, where he says, we must do the works of him who sent me. He said, he must do the works. He had now done the works, complete. Everything is finished. He says it is finished. But for us, it's just beginning. 
So we must also do those works that he sent us. We must preach this gospel so that at the end of our time, we can say it is finished as well. So that like Paul, and I love this thing that Paul is able to say, Paul says that he's run the race. He's fought the good fight. He's finished the race. He says he's remained faithful. We see that in 2 Timothy 4, 7. My prayer is that at the end of it all, it won't be that we succeeded in the world's sight, but in God's sight, we failed, God forbid. But that we'll be able to say, like Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. So Jesus has entrusted this thing into our hands. And let's talk about it because after Easter, this is what our lives are supposed to be about. This is what our passions are supposed to be about. So he says to them, the disciples then, and to us, I've entrusted you with this thing. I've entrusted you. You're my ambassadors. And we're supposed to go out and preach this gospel. And sometimes we do okay. Sometimes we don't. But many times that's not what our lives are about. So our lives are about career minus the preaching. Our lives are about family, children, all these wonderful things. But he says the primary thing he's entrusted to us is to go and preach that gospel. Now, if you think about your career as separate from the gospel, then you're missing opportunities in your career, in your workplace, in your community. This is what he's asked us to do, to go and preach the gospel. And the disciples had that same assignment after the first Easter, but they couldn't do it by themselves. They couldn't do it by themselves the same way we can't in our own power. So Jesus says to them, I'm going to tell you the secret that's going to help you to succeed as a Christian. I'm going to tell you the secret that's going to help you to succeed and be an effective witness. And that secret was the Holy Spirit. Thank you. The Holy Spirit. And it's so important. He tells them. He tells them before he dies about the Holy Spirit. John 14, John 15, John 16. He tells them that, look, it is of benefit, advantage, profitable for you that I go. Because when I go, I would send the Holy Spirit. If I don't go, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. And you need the Holy Spirit to be able to succeed in what I have entrusted to you. It's so important. He doesn't just tell them before he dies. After he resurrects us, well, he tells them again. In Acts 1, he says, wait. Don't go and try and do this thing in your own strength. He tells them to wait. And then in Acts 1.8, do we want to read it together? Anybody? Acts 1.8. Let's try Resurrection morning, guys. Resurrect. <laughs> okay. What I'm going to say is go and work on that, right? <laughs> but he says you would receive power. You would receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses everywhere. And that's why he said to them, you must not go. You cannot go without the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to empower you, empower you to what? To go and um, live life with your own agenda. No, he's going to empower you to be witnesses, to be my effective witnesses. Imagine what would have happened if the disciples hadn't waited and they said this thing, you know, at least we were healing. We were doing miracles when Jesus was around and we hadn't waited for the Holy Spirit. It would have been a disaster. And sometimes that's why we struggle. Sometimes that's why it's so hard for us because we're trying to do it in our own strength and we can't. So this is a reminder that after Easter, 
the next significant thing that had to happen to the disciples was they had to be baptized of the Holy Spirit. They could not do this thing in their own strength. And so maybe you're struggling. It's not priority to you, what Jesus has entrusted you with. Maybe you're struggling with it. Maybe you're failing at it. Maybe it's just hard. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What we need is the Holy Spirit to lean in on him, to receive him so that we can be successful at being Christian, so that we can be effective witnesses. They needed to be full of the Holy Spirit, and we need to as well. Because we haven't got that much time, I'm going to stop here because I want us to pray for a few minutes. And I want us to pray in recognition of this that we cannot do with the Holy Spirit. So some people, you might, you might know that you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, never received the Holy Spirit. You cannot be who God wants you to be. You cannot be an effective witness, an effective Christian without the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people say they're unsure. They're not sure if they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I say to that is, go and check scripture. There's nowhere in scripture where people receive the Holy Spirit and they don't know. Nowhere. You look at Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, it was evident. Tongues of fire and all of them. You look at um, Acts 10, Cornelius and his household. They were just listening to the word. Peter was just talking to them when they received the Holy Spirit and they knew it. You look at Acts 19, in Acts 19, verses 1 to 6, Paul is talking to these um, disciples, about 12 of them, and he asked them, have they received the Holy Spirit? And they said they don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. And then they were baptized. The Bible says Paul lays his hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit. They know it. And when they receive the Holy Spirit, we see in Scripture, things were not the same. Peter, who denied Jesus three times out of fear, Peter now becomes so bold. Peter is willing to die for Christ. He's not only willing to die for Christ, he actually dies for Christ. Is that normal? Can I do that by myself? Can you do that by yourself? No, absolutely not. To love, we need the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about how the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by his spirit. Name it. Is there anything in, in reading the Bible, reading scripture to understand it so it comes alive within us? We need the Holy Spirit. So to be who God has called you to be, to, to walk that walk that he has called you to walk, to be faithful to what he has entrusted into your hands, we absolutely need the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray and peradventure you know that you haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're yet to receive him. I would encourage you to pray with all your hearts today. You know, Jesus was talking in scripture and he was talking to these guys and he said, as evil as you are, if your son asks you for something good, would you not give it to him? He said, how much more so God would freely give the Holy Spirit to anyone who does what? Just ask, just ask. So ask today. And it might be that you know that you have been baptized of the Holy Spirit, but you know you've been grieving him the way you live. You've been bringing sorrow to him. You haven't been doing what he wants you to with what he's entrusted into your hands. Today can be a day for you, a day of turnaround, a day of resurrection in that area, a day to cry out in repentance. The Bible says we shouldn't quench the Holy Spirit. Maybe you haven't been allowing him to have full expression in your life. I encourage you strongly to pray, to pray about it. So I'm going to ask us to rise to our feet as we pray. And the prayer is after Easter, we've been entrusted with something that Jesus wants us to do. And you know exactly where you're at. It might be that you have never even accepted Jesus into your heart. For you today can be that day of salvation. I'm going to ask us to pray. 
So maybe you want to accept Jesus into your heart. Let today be the day of salvation, the day when you say, come into my heart. Maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let today be the day that you lift up your voice and you ask God. Maybe things are not as they should be in your life. You know that what you've been entrusted with, you're, you're, you're messing up. You're not being faithful. Today can be a day of turnaround. Today can be a day of turnaround. Today can be a day of turnaround. We said in scripture, many ways that people receive the Holy Spirit. We see the laying up of hands, listening to the word, asking. And, and it might be that you want someone to agree with you in prayer. If that is you, I would ask that you come out and a minister would pray and agree with you in prayer. Maybe you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you know that your life is not as it should be. You are grieving the Spirit. You are quenching the Spirit, but you want it to stop today. I would ask that you, you pray. I would ask that if you want someone to agree with you in prayer, that you come out. Let's take this seriously. You know, this last few minutes can be the game changer in your life. When they received the Holy Spirit, they, it was the game changer. There was transformation. Everything was never the same again. These guys, they were emboldened. They were full of courage. They started to go around doing those greater works. He says, anyone, anyone who believes in me will do greater works. Whether you're a child, you're a teenager, you're a youth, you're an old man, an old woman, middle age, doesn't matter. Anyone, anyone, anyone. But we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. So please, please, with all of your heart, lift up your voice and pray. And if you want someone to agree with you in prayer, come forward. A minister, a pastor would agree with you in prayer. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up. Fill me up until I overflow. I want to roll over, I want to run over, fill me up until I overflow, I want to run over, I want to run over, fill me Till I overflow, I wanna run over, I wanna run over, fill me up until I overflow, I wanna run over. And do not let me go the same way that I came. Touch me with your hands, Jesus. Do not let me go the same way that I came. Touch me with your hands. Jesus, touch me with your hand.
Jesus, touch me with your hand. Jesus, with your power, touch me with your power. Jesus, touch me, Lord, touch me with your power. Jesus. Father, we thank you for the reminder that we are not just ordinary people. We thank you for the reminder that you have entrusted us with something so dear to your hands to go out and make disciples, to go out and be ambassadors of yours. In your word, you said that you want to plead through us to others. Father, we pray that even as we've prayed for a baptism in the Holy Spirit, even as we've prayed prayer of repentance, even as we've prayed for a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, Father, I pray that that would be our reality in the name of Jesus, that even our babies and our children would start to overflow with the Holy Spirit, that in their schools, in their nurseries, they would start to overflow with the Holy Spirit. They would start to speak as your oracles in their playgrounds in the name of Jesus. They would start to lay hands on the sick and things would happen to your glory in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for every man, for every woman under the sound of my voice. That, Father, we would not go through this life, living a mundane life, God forbid. That we would not go through this life disappointing and failing you. But, Father, I pray that we will be empowered by your Holy Spirit. And that power on the inside of us, it would not lay dormant unused in the name of Jesus. That we would stir up the gifts that you have placed within us. That we will be a people walking worthy of your calling upon our lives. That in our workplaces, they would know that there is an ambassador of the Most High God. That in our neighborhoods, because we are there, that amazing things would start to happen in the name of Jesus. That people through our lives, they would see Jesus and they would be drawn to Jesus. That through our lives, many would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Father, you have called us ambassadors. Who is an ambassador? A representative. Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that where we have been representing ourselves before, that it stops today in the name of Jesus. That from today going forward, we start to represent the Most High God in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that where we have struggled with things, where we have struggled with believing you, where we have struggled with knowing that indeed you love us. Father, I pray that even like John that we saw, that deep in our hearts, deep in our spirit, deep in our souls, Father, that we would know that you love us, that we would know that we are the ones loved by you, that deep in our spirits, in our souls, that there would start to be an excitement about your calling upon our lives in the name of Jesus, that there will be start to be a sense of urgency that compassion would start to well up on the inside of us like it did with Jesus. That when we see people going to hell, people who don't know you, that something would arise on the inside of us. That we would start to pray, we would start to care, we would start to share. We know that we can't do any of this by ourselves. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you help us. You're our helper. And we repent of every way that we have grieved you. 
every way that we have quenched you, every way that we have not leaned in on you, every way that we have refused to let you have a full expression in our lives. Holy Spirit, we say that we are sorry. And we say that by your grace going forward, all that ends today in the name of Jesus. As we celebrate Easter, as we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, 2022, we say that we step into purpose in the name of Jesus. We say that we step into seasons of transformation, radical transformation in the name of Jesus. Nobody saw those disciples and thought that they were the same as they had used to be. There was change, radical change. Father, we decree that in our lives, every boy, every girl, every man, every woman, we decree that we walk in your transformation in the name of Jesus. That as the Holy Spirit guides us, teaches us, tells us to read the scripture, tells us to pray, wakes up up in the middle of the night, we decree that laziness, prayerlessness, dryness is a thing of the past in the name of Jesus. Father, help us. There will be a people that don't just talk the talk. Father, let us be a people that walk the walk in the name of Jesus. That what we have would be real, Father. That it will be real, Father. That we won't just have head knowledge of you, but we would have heart knowledge in the name of Jesus. That we won't just read about you, hear about you, but we would have experiential knowledge of you, Father, in the name of Jesus. That our babies would have experiential knowledge of you. So when the enemy brings all sorts of funny ideology and all that, they would have a strong sense of identity. Why? Because like Samuel, they are hearing your voice. They are speaking to you. They are guided by you. Father, let there be radical change in the name of Jesus. Let there be radical change in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for those that might be held bound by one thing or the other. We prayed it already, and Father, we pray it again. Things that are holding us down from walking in purpose. Things that are holding us down from being passionate about the things you have entrusted into our hands. Father, as a family, we decree freedom in the name of Jesus. You said he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Father, as a family, we decree freedom in the name of Jesus. We decree that we start to walk upon our high places. We decree that we are hungry and thirsty after God. We decree that we are people that are walking with God. We decree that we are people that are leaning in the spirit, walking in the spirit, living in the spirit. We decree that we are not ordinary people. Father, even for our children, we would start to see amazing things in the name of Jesus. These children, they would start to speak among their mates as your oracle. These children, they would start to lead their prayers to you in the name of Jesus. These children, anything that is not of you that they might be entangled in. Father, we decree today, this Resurrection Sunday as we celebrate it, we decree today that all such entanglements, they are broken and broken forever in the name of Jesus. Once again, we decree, Father, that everything that should be alive and doing well in our lives and in the lives of our children that are dead, this resurrection morning, we decree resurrection in the name of Jesus. We decree life in the name of Jesus. And Father, we know that there might be some that like Mary, it feels like a sword is piercing through their very soul right now. It might be because of children. It might be because of spousal relationship. It might be because of family, finances, whatever it might be. A sword piercing through their very soul. A time of acute sorrow, sorrow. For some people, they can't even share with anyone what they are going through. But Father, you're the one 
with whom nothing is impossible. You're the one who at the cross as you carry the sins of the whole world and you are going through at that agonizing moment, you still saw Mary. You still saw the sword person, her very soul. You still understood like no one else could and you spoke to her. Father, we pray that everyone in a situation like that, that you would speak to them in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that there will be divine intervention in the name of Jesus. In the book of John, you said to your disciples as you were nearing your death and conversing with them and preparing them for your death, and they were so sad. He said, right now you are grieved, but you said soon you would be rejoicing. Soon there would be joy. Father, we decree for everyone who is going through an agonizing period, season right now, everyone who is sorrowing right now, we decree in accordance to God's word that joy is coming in the name of Jesus. The Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but he says joy comes in the morning. We decree that your morning is near in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you because by your grace, we're not normal people. By your grace, we are peculiar people. By your grace, we are supernatural beings. By your grace, we are able to be faithful to what you have entrusted us to. Our Father, we decree that from this day forward, this is our reality in the name of Jesus. We decree there's no going back. Sometimes we go hot, we go cold, we go hot. We decree that to your glory, it is from glory to glory in the name of Jesus. We decree that our paths shine brighter and brighter in the name of Jesus. We decree, Father, that as your ambassadors, that we would be all that you have called us to be. And we would do all that you have called us to do. And our children, our babies, they will not be left out in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. Once again, Father, we say thank you for your mercy. We say thank you for your love. How you love us. Father, we are grateful. Our Father, we, the disciples who you love, once again, we just come to say thank you. We commit this amazing week into your hands. This week after Easter 2022, and we decree that as we've prayed, that even from this week, it would be our reality in the name of Jesus. Amazing things would start to happen in our workplaces. Amazing things will start to happen in our children's schools, in our universities, in our communities. The ambassadors of God are on fire and we would remain on fire forever in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. For in Jesus' wonderful name, we have prayed. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we thank God for his, his goodness. It's great that you're on your feet. We're going to share the grace. If you're not, um, please rise to your feet if you're able to, so that we can end the service by sharing the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.